Hello, everyone, and welcome to Life Told by a Stranger, the podcast where we pose the same four questions to each guest and get life advice to put our minds at rest. I'm your host, Daniela Lake, and today I'm here with Rachel. (laughs) So, Rachel... Tell us about what you do. I am a teacher currently. I'm a kindergarten teacher at the Wesley School. I'm going to be a lead kindergarten teacher here this year. I've worked as the um, teaching associate for the last three years. I used to teach art, and I did that for a little over 10 years, Mm -hmm. and then switched over to elementary school. And now I've got this lead teacher full-time gig coming up. (laughs) Very excited. (laughs) When you were growing up, did you want to be a teacher? I think I always knew I wanted to be the boss. (laughs) So I would, I remember coming home from kindergarten and uh, teaching my sister whatever I learned that day. I would write it on the back of my door in lipstick samples. (laughs) (laughs) My mom had all these lipstick samples from Avon and I would write math and different things, uh, letters on the board and try to teach it to my, or on the back of my door and try to teach it to my sister. So I think it was kind of there, but when you become that age of like, I'm going to be this when I grow up. I always said I was going to be an actress. Oh, I know. (laughs) Did you take any classes? Um, In high school, I um, acted in the plays, and I started doing a bunch of different things. When I realized that props was a thing that you could do, Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, I'm going to do all the props for this play. Or when I realized uh, we didn't have to use the same brown couch in every show, we could (laughs) buy fabric and cover the couch and have a blue couch instead. Um, Then I started doing set pieces and stuff like that. So by the time that I got to college... I was definitely doing more of scenery backstage and then eventually became a stage manager. So my undergrad is in theater, but it was never to be an actor. (laughs) As soon as I got to college, I was like, yeah, I don't want to do that. Yeah, (laughs) I want to do all this other stuff Mm -hmm. where you get to make stuff and build stuff and paint. Mm -hmm. That That was where it's at. Yeah. So tell me about where you grew up. I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. We lived for eight years in Arlington Heights and then I lived for another eight years in Streamwood and then when I went to college I never really came back but um but yeah I grew up in the suburbs it definitely was humid or freezing so like <laughs> oh nothing in between no there were always like about two weeks in the fall and two weeks in the spring that were beautiful mm-hmm. and smelled good and then it either got really really cold or it got really really hot mm-hmm. but yeah there was sort of an influence of Chicago a little bit when I was growing up but after I graduated college then um Philip and I moved and lived in Chicago, and we lived there for seven years before we moved here. Mm -hmm. Did Philip grow up in Chicago, too? He grew up in um, the middle of Illinois, like in rural Illinois, Mm -hmm. very close to where we both went to college, and that's where we met. So we went to school at Knox College in Galesburg, Illinois, and he grew up about a half an hour from there. Okay. Do you have any siblings? I do. I have a brother and a sister. I'm the oldest. I'm the boss. And <laughs> Sharon is actually probably the boss, but I like to, she just 
makes me feel like I'm the boss. So um, <laughs> I have a brother, Matt. He's about 13 months uh, younger than me. And my sister is about three and a half years younger than me. So oh. Matt, yeah. I don't know if I said I'll just say it again. So Matthew and Sharon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So let's get into the four questions. Okay. Let's hear what these questions are. <laughs> Question number one. Okay. If you were to write an autobiography of your life, what is one story you would have to include? Okay. I'm really glad that you told me this one ahead of time because if I hadn't, I would have just been like, boo, dead air. <laughs> um, so I, it's interesting that I already sort of brought up some of the acting and plays and stuff because the very first play that I was in was a two-person, one-act play, and it was all dialogue. Mm-hmm. Very, I mean, there was a little bit of movement, but it was small, little space, and just two people constantly talking. So, so many lines wow. to memorize. So my sister, Sharon, who um, we definitely went through waves of either like really getting along or really not getting along. <laughs> and when I started to be in this play, we really got along because she um, helped me memorize all the lines. She was the other character and I was who uh, my character and we worked on it together the whole time. And it's interesting because if she was to tell the story, I've heard her tell the story, she came to see the play. I think it only performed two nights and she was furious when the other guy in the play messed up his lines because oh. she knew them so well. <laughs> she was just like, she could go up there. Not. Yeah, she could have <laughs> totally filled in if anything had happened to him. Um, and it was it was an emotional play. It was like the character I was playing was really anxious and nervous. And um, and so I, I, the whole process for me felt that way. There was never any sort of like, oh, this is so great, you Mm -hmm. know, like, I feel so good doing this, you know, like, I couldn't turn it off, so I felt so nervous, Mm. she felt nervous, so I felt nervous, but it also, when it was over, felt amazing, and so it was one of those things where you're like, oh, this was the hardest experience ever, I can't wait to do it again, (laughs) this is crazy, but for me, what I took away from it was that connection with Sharon, because we were, we spend so much time together. Um, and then that sort of became true for all of those experiences in high school because my mom was such a big part of every play that we did. She would um, help shop at thrift stores for costumes. She would tell me like how to reupholster the furniture. Um, I remember calling and asking her, this was actually in college, but I would call and ask her, like, what time period phone should we have for this? You know, like, if this is the time period of the play, what would the phone look like? You know, it's before you could just look it up online, Mm -hmm. you know, and I knew I had all these textbooks or or other, like, research I could do at the library, or I could just call my mom, Mm -hmm. and she would tell me what it would look like, Um, or she would even say, I have one of those. Let me send it to you. Mm -hmm. So that sort of connection of doing all those theater performances um, with my family was such a big deal. And then, um, so another part of that would be there, there was a play we did, I think it was Streetcar Named Desire, and it was my senior year. And by this point is when I already was kind of realizing I'm not going to be in the place, <laughs> you know, like this, this isn't me. Like I don't, I don't have that same 
look as everybody else. I thought I would get cast as Stella. I didn't. And <laughs> then, but I was cast as the assistant director, which was, I was like, oh yeah, I am sort of taking these more leadership roles. And um, you had a birthday cake. There's supposed to be a birthday cake as one of the props. And so what we did is we bought... Um, we bought a cake and we kept it in the freezer so it would stay nice. Mm -hmm. You know, it would still, it would look new every night. And um, I forgot it one night. Like at home? Yeah. Or in the... At home. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and <laughs> I remember, and so I would sit and watch the play from the audience. And I, about maybe the show had just started and I realized, oh my gosh, I didn't bring the cake. And my parents were there and I walked over and I, th I can't remember if I told my mom or I told my dad that we didn't have it. But regardless, my dad just stood up, left the play, went home, got the cake and brought it back. And we had it by intermission because so, oh, we needed it goodness. for the second act. And I was just, I mean, that's just how they are. That's how we all are. You know, it's just like, oh, you need something? We'll get it. You know, like, um, so if I was to write an autobiography to help explain like who I am or how I behave, I would use those types of examples of like Sharon working with me on all those lines and my mom being able to pull random information <laughs> and and possibly the actual item from her basement to uh, to be in a play and then my dad just being like, oh, never mind, you know, I'll go home. <laughs> yeah. We'll see the play tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Question number two. Okay. What do you value the most in a person and why? Mm. Well, I think today is when you're probably going to realize that I am an extremely indecisive person. So I'll probably have like three <laughs> answers to your question. Mm -hmm. um, but so value the most in a person. One of the first things that popped, to my, popped into my head was like um, positivity or a positive outlook. Or, uh, you know, some sort of sense of being able, not just optimism, but maybe being able to see both sides, you know, not always assume the worst. But uh, trustworthiness it also pops into my head is just being able to trust someone with, you know, what your feelings are. It's funny, I start to think of like, ooh, what do I not value? So then you're <laughs> thinking of the opposite, like, ooh. I have a really hard time when you're uh, maybe new friends with someone and you've shared something with them. It could even be like you're just having a rotten day. And um, and then the next time you have a conversation, that's all they can bring up. It's like, well, since you're feeling so, you know, rotten about X, Y, Z, it's probably the reason why, you know, or whatever. And you're like, wait, I didn't share that with you, so you throw it back at me all the time. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, wait, that's, and maybe that says something about me. Um I think that's everyone, too, because, like, especially if you share something that's not the greatest thing, yeah, not the happiest thing, and they refer back to it, you're like, I'm over it now. Can you stop? <laughs> yeah, or I'm trying to be. <laughs> yeah. I can't get over it if you bring it up all the time. Yeah, or, like, sometimes I have friends, and they're like, why do you look sad? And it's like, I'm not sad, but you asking me that makes me sad. <laughs> I had a friend like that um, who would say that exact same thing where um, 
she, I was always neurotic that she was mad at me. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this is like fifth grade. <laughs> but like, I was worried she'd be mad at me. So I would ask her, like, are you mad? And she would say, no, but you asking me is making me mad. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, where's the happy medium? You know, like, I actually really... This is kind of a sad story when you think about it. Like, I kind of learned not to just ask mm-hmm. what you're thinking. But yeah. then you try to relearn that later in life. You know, mm-hmm. like, just be honest and share what you're feeling and ask somebody what they're thinking. You know, um, feel free to ask me whatever you want. You're like, I don't know. I've had friends that didn't want me to. <laughs> um, but I think some sense of positivity and definitely trustworthiness I used to teach high school for a long time. I might have mentioned that. That's when I taught art. I taught high school art at Discovery Prep in Pacoima for mm-hmm. seven years. And it, I've had, I had some of the most amazing kids. And I think about them all the time. And, and in advisory, do you have advisory in your high school? No. Mm-hmm. What's that? It, we, it was basically like, like a, TV version of homeroom. You know, like if you're watching a TV show of high school and ev- these kids always meet in the same class every day and then they go have their regular class, mm-hmm. our advisory, it was at the end of the day and you had the same kids from freshman year to senior year. Oh, wow. And it was about 20 kids and every teacher had an advisory every day for about 30 minutes. Anyway, these kids and I, we really got to know each other, you know? And we had a curriculum. This most amazing woman, Christina, she was our college counselor and she created the advisory curriculum. So we had something that we followed, but um, occasion, you through that curriculum, you really got to know each other. And one of the things that came up one year was about respect. Because I know a lot of people say, like, what I value the most is respect. And a lot of my kids believed that they couldn't respect someone until they respect respected them. Mm-hmm. Like, the other person had to show them respect first. And I just constantly had the question, like, but someone has to start it. Yeah. Why shouldn't it be you? You know, like, and and I mean, like, they're they're coming from just like all of us, all different walks of life, all different experiences. So of course we're all, you know, handling things differently. But I just kept saying, like, in in this class, in this room, we have to learn to be the first first people. Like we have to be the ones who who opened the door first, you know, like where we let someone go before us or we're going to, um, uh, we also would talk about being sore, sore winners and sore losers, mm-hmm. you know, um, that we, cause we were, I'm very competitive. So we <laughs> were always very competitive and, um, we were judged on, um, GPA every week. The, um, every or, week. Yeah, I think she ran it every week. Wow, Um, that's kind of scary. Yeah, so it was your average GPA of the whole group, so the 20 kids. And I think it was every week. Now I feel like I have to text her and ask her. (laughs) Um, But every week, and then if you were the highest, maybe it was every month, um, if you were the highest uh, one, she just ranked it. And so Mm -hmm. I was like, we have to be the highest. We have to get these grades up. We have to study for our quizzes. We have to do our homework. We have to, you know, pass these tests. And we got so used to winning, and we really had to learn how to be, you know, positive winners 
And then um, the couple of times when we didn't win, there would be some other kids jeering at them, you know, like, ooh, you guys didn't win this month or whatever, <laughs> this month, this week or whatever. You didn't get it, you know. And they were like, miss, I can't believe it. Do you know what so-and-so said to me in Spanish class? And I was like, that person is a sore winner, you know, like mm -hmm. they won. And instead of just being happy about winning, they had to put it in somebody's face. And I was yeah. like, we don't do that. And so when we get it back again the next time, which we will, <laughs> because so-and-so is redoing his quiz. He's asking his teacher if he could take it again. Um, but when we, you know, when we win it again, we're not going to throw it in anyone's face. That's not what we do. Mm. So... Um, but I was like, that is one of the steps that you take to be the first person to show respect. Yeah. I don't know. This is not exactly answering your question. But. Oh, no, it is. Sort of. Yeah, <laughs> it is. I, you know, it popped into my head, and it isn't something that I value as a first thing for somebody else. They mm -hmm. don't have to show me respect first, you know. But if somebody is showing me that they're trustworthy or they're showing me that they're positive, I want to be around them. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> question number three. Putting aside money, fear, and insecurity, <laughs> what is one thing you would love to do if there were no stakes and you had all the freedom in the world? I love that you added fear and insecurity because all of a sudden that opened doors of things like skydiving. <laughs> you know, because there's no way in any planet, anything ever, that I would ever skydive. But boy, it looks amazing. Yeah, <laughs> you know? it does, but that's so but I would never, I would never, I don't, I'm not even comfortable going on a plane. Oh, really? <laughs> Let alone one that doesn't have seats and doors that open that you jump out of. That's a nightmare. <laughs> like, I don't know. I think um, I would, you know what? This is going to sound so dumb. I would probably do, um, What's the, they turn, at Disneyland, they turned Tower of Terror into some kind of Guardians of the Galaxy <laughs> ride. I'll never go on that ride. It has a dead drop or something. Oh. I'm never going to go on that ride because I'm scared to death. <laughs> but like, maybe I would mm -hmm. go on that ride if fear was no, was, wasn't a part of the equation. Mm -hmm. I think I would move to another country. Oh, okay. I that I mean, bigger picture. I would, I would. I think that you know we've talked about what it would be like to you know live for a year abroad, and you know you always come to like, where am I going to work? You know, yeah, um, how I much is going to cost? Yeah, what exactly? Where do you stay? All those things. Where's Henry going to go to school? You know, all uh, there's so many questions, and I remember once saying saying to Philip you know, wouldn't it be great if we just, after we moved here, because we moved from Chicago to Los Angeles, and that was a big jump, and we're the only ones in our, you know, immediate families who do not live in Illinois. Henry is the only one in our family who is, who's been born in California, in California. you know, like he is a native <laughs> to California, but I know that was a big deal, and it was hard on both of our families, but after we had done that, I was like, we should, now we should move to London. Like, wouldn't it be great to try and live in London? Mm -hmm. And then after that, why don't we live in you know, somewhere in France? It doesn't have to be Paris. I don't care. It can be anywhere in France. And I think what holds us back is, you know, what will our parents think? What will our parents say? Um, 
you know, it's, so it's not just money. It, it's also just like how it affects everyone else. Yeah. But yeah, I think I would live in another country if fear and insecurity and money were no object. Mm -hmm. Maybe you awesome. should do it when like when Henry goes to college, even though you have a long way for that. Yeah. But you it, should do it when he goes to college. Plenty of time to plan. Yeah. Yeah, or encourage him to, like, apply to college abroad. Oh, yeah. You know, and then just follow him. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's one of my ridiculous plans is, <laughs> I won't live here forever. Wherever Henry decides to go to school, I'll just move there. <laughs> You're like, oh, he's going to school in Maryland? Fantastic. Moving to Maryland. <laughs> okay, question number four. What is the greatest piece of advice you have to offer? You know, that's... It's so funny how all of these kind of um, stories and answers have kind of come around to each other. Like the family thing kind of came around. And, and this is going to come around to something I had told my advisory once, which was I went to college thinking I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And that's all I did. I, so I didn't take other classes. I went to a... Um, a liberal arts school, which is really great because I, well, I think it's great. It was great for me, but I could have taken more advantage of things. Like I know I took a poetry class, but I really wish I had taken different science classes. I wish I had um, just tried more things um, because I, I saw when, when I got to teach high school, then I saw kids pigeonhole themselves and, and it's like at a certain point, way too early in your life, you're convinced that there are only certain things you're good at. And those are the things you're going to pursue. When, in fact, there are hundreds of things that we're going to be good at. And we won't know unless we try. And That's true. It's so true. And I figured it out way too late. However, I... When I figured it out, that's when I decided, you know, like, yes, my undergrad is in theater. And yes, all of my professional experience um, working in Chicago is in theater. But at a certain point, I was like, I can't do this anymore. And I just happened to be talking to a friend and she was starting this program at Columbia College Chicago and it teaches you how to be an art teacher, but it's an interdisciplinary art. Um, masters. This program in two years, you um, you studied word images, dramatic images, sound images, visual images. You learned how to be a teacher, not to be an art teacher. How to be a teacher. Anyway, so the advice <laughs> I would have is don't stop trying new things because, or don't stop trying things again because the first time you do something, you might totally stink. It might be the worst thing ever, but try it again. And then also be the first person to show respect, you know, like be the, be the first person to be nice, be the first person to smile, say hello, because if, if we don't do it, who's going to do it? That's true. Yeah. So lots, uh, I told you I was going to have several answers to your question. <laughs> okay. So thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. <laughs> thank you guys for listening.